Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums, and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game of roses. Those guys can come at me all they want, Batman and Robin. I'll be Superman, so actually, I'll be Wolverine because that's kind of my nickname. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and for a time in my life, I too wore a mustache. What? Oh, yes. It was right around the age of a young Noah. 
Roughly 25. I, too, had a mustache. I don't know what it is about that age. Are you serious? I did. This is such a big reveal. I grew it so that I could go to Olin Mills and have a professional photograph taken. It's like a place that takes pictures in Kmart's. Wait, you did this to get a professional photograph in Kmart? I'll see if I can find that picture and post it to our Instagram. Did you shave the mustache right after the picture? Yes. Speaking of mustaches, we got some hairy situations this week. Some brand new rivalries. There were rivalries. There was strange formatting going on here. We're still in this fucking shitty version of the presentation where the rose ceremonies are coming at weird times and we're not ending with them this season to me is a train wreck we had physical violence no season of the bachelorette is complete without some forced violence and we are going to get to all of that as you know we're going to be breaking down all the best plays players the errors of the game we even had a jorge moreno bystander of the week this week a rare treat so Let's get to it. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So this episode opens with Taisha walking around the resort. She's telling us in an ITM she likes Brendan. She tells us she has a group date that she's very excited about. And the guys are in the common room. Now, usually... In an episode like this, at this point in the season, Dark Lord materializes for the group, and the Dark Lord will lay out for everyone how this week is going to go, how many dates there are going to be, what types of dates those are, and then as he leaves the room, he leaves a date card behind, someone reads it, and that's how these episodes always start. This episode does not start like that. DLH is nowhere to fucking be seen, there is no date card. It's just Joe Park who is narrating who's on the fucking date card. We don't see the date card. It's strange. Did they fuck up the footage of this? Was Easy reading it and they're just like trying to get Easy out of the cut? They deep fake Joe Park's face onto Easy's body. Yeah. I'm not sure why they're doing it like this, but it is strange to see. And it's just one more piece of this season that makes it seem to me shittier and invalid. I really am at this point over this season. I don't care about any of the players. I need to get to Matt James's season. January 4th cannot come fast enough. That's going to be real play. Pure play. The game is going to be back. This shit is something wholly different, and I do not like it at this point. I feel that I have to suffer through these episodes. All that said, tonight did have some fucking very interesting play. Some diamonds in the rough of this terrible season, and we will get to them. We start with the group date. Montel, Ivan, Damar, Ben, Chasen, Ed, Joe, and Bennett. Ben runs to grab Tasha first. Excellent move to show enthusiasm. And they're in another one of these fucking like warehouse spaces where they keep posting these dates that are so weird. They seem like giant indoor sets. There's a school desk here. We hear the music from 2001, A Space Odyssey, with this strange narration by a female and male voice. This is the story of one woman and her quest for love. She's looking for a grown-ass man. And then they cut to this mannequin that is holding a baby in a sling. 
It is so confusing. This is the grown-ass man challenge. And lights come up on this mannequin and a sign that reads grown-ass man challenge like it is some giant cinematic reveal and not just a shitty ballroom at the La Quinta Inn that has been half decorated by two PAs that are trying to keep their jobs so they don't have to leave the COVID bubble. The amount of effort that these producers are putting into these dates is minuscule. They're doing nothing. And I don't know why that is. It seems like they would want to put more effort into it. That because it's in the bubble, because it's at La Quinta, they don't want it to look like shit. But instead, it just looks Maybe so thrown together. Maybe they have a lower budget. They've spent all the budget on having to postpone shooting and on all the COVID testing. The COVID testing is expensive on sets. Could be, but here we get this weird La Quinta version of what it would traditionally be an obstacle course date. Usually these group dates would take place outside and the guys would be dressed in a tuxedo running through like a wedding challenge. They did this with Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis on a season not long ago. (laughs) Traditionally, you'd be talking to some big name celebrity like Ashton Kutcher and Mila. Here we get Bachelor Nation royalty hosting the dates. It's Ashley and Jared Iaconetti. I felt excited to see them. What was very interesting is they introduced them with this summary that they met on Bachelor in Paradise. Tasha points out, look, she has a ring on her finger. And Ashley I goes, and we've been married for a year now? As if she doesn't know exactly how long they've been married. This bothered me so much. <laughs> They were really underused, I thought, in this date. And we'll get to it. We see them a few more times pop up. But they were just kind of there doing almost nothing. For me, this is just another indicator that this season is going down the tubes. I wanted to watch Ashley and Jared for an hour. I wanted them to be half of the episode because I was like, fine. I wanted them to be interviewing all of the people. That would have been great. Instead, they say this is the grown-ass man challenge. You're going to have to go through these series of different trials to prove if you're a grown-ass man or not. And there will be at the end someone given the title grown-ass man and someone given the title of man-child. <laughs> yeah, Jared gets to explain the loser's prize. And we see that Ed Wastebrot in an ITM says, I don't care if I win the manliest man, but I don't want to be the man-child. He says this. Of course, you never say something negative within earshot of the producers because they will make it happen. And we obviously see that that does later. Ed's attitude this whole episode, I feel like he is literally like on the take. Like producers are like, here's $200, go say this. Go do this. This entire season is nothing but paradise deals being cut left and right. Ed, Mm. go in there and fucking make Chase and go crazy. That's his entire purpose. This whole episode is the producer saying, we need Chasen to lose his mind. Make it happen, and you will get second sand. They're not going to give second sand to Ed. Come on. Uh, They do these group challenges. There's a test in math and spelling. We see Bennett reprise his role as the rich, smart asshole, saying school was not challenging. I did go to Harvard. I'm in the echelon in terms of being a grown-ass man. And then he does poorly on the math problems against everyone. And Clues brought up a theory here that I kind of think is true. The theory is basically this. It's not just the math problems, by the way. He also can't spell limousine. None of this is true. I think he's acting. I think he's throwing this challenge to try and make the date about him. And guess what? It worked. 
It seems counterintuitive, but it gets you screen time and you become the main character of this. If everybody can just answer these simple questions, who are they going to focus on? Nobody. It'll be a boring, dumb date. No, they'll focus on who's the smartest and who's the stupidest. I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, but it worked. He got screen time because of it. So to me, it was a good strategy. They have a tug of war portion. And by the way, Tasha says going into the state, she doesn't know what it is that her friends have planned it, aka Ashley and Jared. But she goes along with each portion of this. She's like, a little competition never hurt anybody. This is the justification for this date where they're just like physically like <laughs> competing. Tasha is, at least in producerial terms, a perfect bachelorette. She will never say yes. no to anything. Later, we see in the next group date, there's physical violence, and she's just like, hell yeah, get out there, guys. Beat the shit out of each other. Whatever the producers say is happening is happening with Tasha. She will never take the reins of the show, ever. Bennett pulls an IFI here. He refuses to participate in the tug of war and says it's an old football injury. IFI, illness, fear, or injury play. Fucking brilliant again. In the beginning of this episode, Bennett is really crushing it. He's purposely fucking up these questions, and now he's like, no, I'm not going to do this thing where I tie a fucking rope to myself and try to tug the other guy around. (laughs) Of course you're not going to do that, because that isn't manly. It's not even human. It's like gladiatorial. Fight for my entertainment. Ha ha ha. And he's like, no, thank you. And so we're painting the picture now that he's not doing well in this. But again... That's incorrect because he is still the star of the date. He's making it all about him. He's the star of every single portion of this. It's incredible. And then the third obstacle is they have to make her breakfast in bed. She's laying in a bed. Each of the guys gets to cook her something and bring it over to her. And this is where he shines. This is where he shows us what a true man is. He makes her some beignets and he comes and gets in the bed next to her and feeds them to her. All the other guys are pissed off. He drops the H-bomb of breakfast in bed. One more thing to note in this portion, Chasen does a voluntary nudity play and takes his shirt off. This is starting this rivalry between Chasen and Bennett. Bennett's like, being shirtless is sort of boyish to each your own, which is hilarious because, by the way, Bennett is in a full-on white terry cloth robe for this whole date. So you can see, like, the middle portion of his torso. He literally is shirtless. But it looks like shirtless. he is nude under the robe. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he has his balls out for most of this group date. But all of it pays off for him because he gets the award. He is crowned manliest man or whatever is it most badass man, grown ass man. Grown ass man. Tasha's trying to brand this as her thing. He gets the award. And of course, Ed Wastebrot gets the thing he wanted least. The Manchild Award, and he is told that he will now be carrying around this doll of a baby for the rest of the night, or as long as Taisha wants him to. You don't have to do this, Ed. I know Ed has cut deals with the producers, and he's probably saying, I'll do anything with you to... <laughs> he's on the take. He is on the take, but there is an experimental play here to be done where when you get the baby, you just throw it in the trash, and you never carry it again. They can't do anything to you. They can't force your arms to cradle the child and carry it around. You simply yeah, say, I'm not doing that. to look good for Tasha. Exactly. Look good for her. Don't, I'm not a fucking man child. The baby doll is the sign of your loss. It is the symbol of your man childhood. If you discard it, you no longer are. He could pivot it. 
and take really good care of the child and like make these little scenes for himself. He definitely gets screen time from it, but it is the clown. I would throw the child away. And if she says, where's your baby? I'd say he's sleeping. (laughs) And that's all you ever have to do. Listen up, future players. (laughs) Very strong experimental strategy. Baby in the trash. When the producers try to turn you into the fool, you cannot allow that to happen because it means they're sending you down a path of destruction. Once you are locked into the fool role, you never come back from it and you will be dismissed. He's already locked in. He's so locked in. He's locked into a bunch of different roles, honestly. Like, he's a tattler. He's a fool. <laughs> he's kind of every negative role you can be. But again, the producers are keeping him around, as we saw. We'll get to it in this fucking date ceremony. I'm getting ahead of myself. By the way, Ed has gotten this man-child award. Bennett is winning the award for grown-ass man. And he does something here that at the time would have been my play of the game. It was not. But he... Receives the award from Tasha and kisses her when he receives the award in front of everyone. Full on makeout. The kiss, the sliding into bed, really everything he did on this date was in contention for my play of the game because, again, it seems yeah. so unorthodox. I'm going to get these problems wrong. I'm going to misspell shit. I'm going to not understand <laughs> math. I refuse to even participate in the physical challenge. And now I'm doing the sliding into bed. All the other guys are pissed at me. And it all worked. He won the date. Very strong play from Bennett. Nonetheless, this was not my play of the game. Something much bigger Uh, uh, happens uh. later, which we'll get to. But that night at the after party, Bennett comes out. He's got his (laughs) certificate in a little frame. And he calls it the trophy of the evening. And he lays it on the table for everyone to see. He's still wearing his fucking robe. (laughs) Chase and Nick... (laughs) comes after Bennett right here. And this is a very fucking interesting piece of play by Bennett. (laughs) Chasen calls him out. He says, Bennett, you're fucking cringe. He says that kiss was cringe, kissing Tasha in front of everyone. And Chasen further digs into Bennett saying, what you did is not being a grown-ass man. It's disrespectful. And Bennett says, well, if you want to talk about being a grown-ass man... I won the challenge and I didn't even participate in the second activity. So if you want to go there, we can, but I fucking beat you is basically what he's saying. I am the alpha. I am the dominant player here. He continues to try to be a dominant player here when Tasha arrives and he does this hyper aggressive first responder attempt before Tasha has greeted anyone. And Tasha blocks this first responder move. As shitty as these players are, in this season, by the way. None of these guys are good players. We don't have a Tyler Cameron. We don't any longer have a Dale Moss. Fuck no. No one is hitting at these high levels. But what we are watching is a bunch of amateurs just fucking duke it out. And they're using unorthodox play. (laughs) They're using highly aggressive, highly passive, all kinds of weird plays that don't ever work. But Because it's a comparative game, some of them have to. Some of these guys have to get roses. So you're just watching in this weird environment what's working. And here we see between two guys who are not ballerinas, they put on a little ballet for us. (laughs) Here's Bennett. He comes in. He's dancing around. Okay, Jason, you want to say I'm disrespectful? Well, I won the fucking game. So fuck you. And now watch this. Tasia comes in. Excuse me. Can I steal you for a moment? Actually, you can't. Oh, shit. He gets fucking knocked back on his heels a little bit. Tasha says her piece to all the guys. Hi, everybody. We're going to have a great night. And then Jason swoops right the fuck in. Can I take you for a minute? Yes, you can. Bennett is now out. 
Chasen is now in. They have this little <laughs> fucking back and forth. It was, I won't say beautiful to watch because it was so fucking clunky the way they did it. There was no style <laughs> to this. It was just two meatheads. I being think like, it was beautiful to watch seeing him overtake that first responder move from him. After the first responder, like massive attack we had last episode, I am loving watching what is going on in the first responder position right now. Ivan said Jason with a swoop, and that was exactly correct. It was a swoop. I will say this. For anyone out there who wants to brush up their game a little bit, who might be thinking of coming into our beloved game, it is a good lesson in timing for first responders because that is what the name of the game is. You cannot be too aggressive. You can't hit it too soon. And if you wait too late, somebody else is going to swoop right in. So here is a very good example, a concrete example of when not to do it and when to do it. <laughs> when the person first comes before they've even greeted anyone too soon, Bennett, too aggressive. You wait until they do the <laughs> greeting and then you do it, which is what Chase and Nick did. And he was able to steal it literally out from under Bennett. Chasen also does an l- interesting move here in his one-on-one time. It was kind of like a PVC, a personal virginity card when someone s- reveals they're a virgin or reveals, oh, I've never kissed someone. I've never orgasmed, a la Raven. And Chasen says, I've never been in love, which was like kind of like a milder sort of I'm a recovering fuckboy version of this. But he was at least attempting to say I'm 4TRR here. Like, I really want to experience love for the first time. And Ed says something about Chasen here. He goes, he has five adjectives. (laughs) The guy's more or less an actor. And this is where we start to see this rivalry now brewing. Ed Wastebrot does not like Chase and Nick. And he's essentially beginning his 40WR offensive against Chase and Nick, who, of course, we'll have to defend it later. Chase gets a kiss. Ben gets a little one-on-one time with Tasha. He gives her a heartbreak PTC. He hasn't tried to date since a bad breakup, but he feels the feeling he was hoping to feel now. He gets a kiss. He's raised to LL1, love level one, which means he is now on the path. Tasha also loads level level one about him, says, I'm smitten. There's something about that boy. I like him. And this kiss and getting Tasha to load love level one, I was like, this is not a floater kiss. I vehemently disagree with Clues predicting that Ben is going to be a floater. I think he's going to be in the top. He's Quickly impressing me as well. In this field of players who don't really understand how to play the game, he is rising to the top. Yeah. I mean, he's not Dale Moss. No, he's not. I agree. It really is just like you take the best player of the season out of the season, and what remains is just this kind of ragtag bunch of weirdos who don't know how to play the game. And so you're just watching these weird strategies bouncing off each other. Ivan has some nice one-on-one time with Taisha. They talk about building an empire together. Taisha loves that there's like depth to him and that he's a grown-ass man. She keeps reinforcing this theme from the day portion of the group date. She wants a grown-ass man. And God, I just... This focus on masculinity throughout this episode, throughout this whole season and throughout this show... I hate. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about The Bachelor, right? Like, throughout like, the last 20 years, you mean? It's also ableist. There's just so many different things that are wrong with, like, being like, this is the ultimate goal. A grown-ass man It's the most masculine person who follows this very heteronormative, 
patriarchal. Again, this is The Bachelor you're watching. You know that, right? I'm like, that's what the game is. <laughs> I know, but I feel so complicit in these moments. I, We're complicit in every moment that we indulge this. Speaking of indulgence, Ivan has brought with him some strawberries, and he dips them into decadent chocolate and feeds them to Tasha while she's blindfolded, and then he gets from her a semi-consensual kiss, and it turns out that this is going to be a good move, and we'll see that later. He says, I have a little something different I'd like to try. She says okay, and he pulls her in for the kiss. So I'm like, assuming that she understood... What he was referencing, that he was going to kiss her as opposed to like doing a different berry. I don't know. But she liked it. Maybe the vibes were right. I don't know. I'm highly sensitive to this. Back with the rest of the group, Bennett steps back in and we start to see Bennett is actually a player. This is the first moment where I was like, okay, he may know what he's doing a little bit. He starts talking about an elephant in the room. And it's about people who are there for TWR, the wrong reasons. Chase and Nick then in an ITM calls Bennett and Ed, <laughs> Batman and Robin, and he's Superman. And then he says, actually, I'll be Wolverine because that's my nickname. I don't know who gave him this nickname, if it's a nickname from childhood. If anyone else has ever called him Wolverine, I don't know if he's coining it here, maybe. But this, for me, was a very funny moment. And we get this idea that... Bennett is the one who's prodding them both. And he's taking all this negative attention he's getting from Chase and Nick off himself, giving it to Ed, and that rivalry is now going to emerge. And Bennett is just going to step back into the shadows and watch them fight, taking no heat from this whatsoever. A fantastic fucking move. That is actually a very high-level play. I saw this moment, and I was like, Bennett is the Victoria P of this season. She's dropping little bombs here and there and then exiting the conversation, leaving everyone else to fight with each other. It's excellent if you can pull that off. He even orchestrates a brilliant fucking moment where he leads a cheers so that they can all bury the hatchet and he goes straight to Chase and it says, cheers, like we're all going to get along tonight and everything's going to be great. And then when Ed goes to cheers with Chasen, he fucking refuses. So that rivalry is now cemented. Bennett is cleared from this disaster that is now going to unfold before everyone. He has helped to stoke it, and he is no longer responsible for it. A really <laughs> fucking solid move. Hard, hard thing to do to get your toe a little wet in this pool of a rivalry, but not actually go for the dip. That was fun for yeah, me to watch. Because now he's gonna he's not going to be on the two-on-one. It'll most likely be set up rivals such as Ed and Chasen. And then Ed gets a little one-on-one -on -one time. And he tells Tasha that he is for TRR, but there are people here who are not. And he calls Chasen out. He says that he's using the same lines on Tasha that he used on Claire. This is a tattle. To be sure. Tattles never work. Literally never work. They might sink the target but they're going to sink you too. To our knowledge, there's only been one successful title in the history of our beloved game, and that was, of course, Tia Booth tattling on Becca Martinez on season 22 of our beloved game, The Bachelor. Ari Leyendike was The Bachelor during that season. When they were on a three-on-one date, Tia tells Ari, Becca is too young. She's not ready for marriage. This version of a tattle winds up working, and Ari sends Becca home. Other than that, tattles don't work. They always backfire. Or at the very least, they take you both down. 
And here Ed is coming hard with the tattle. First time he's even sitting down and talking to Tasia, he's just like, hey, Chase and Nick is a piece of shit. So anyway, how's life? <laughs> yeah. He's here for Instagram followers, which I'm like, isn't this Tasia's job? I don't really understand Tasia's job, but to me it sounded like she travels for Instagram stuff. Yeah, this tattle was so hard that this was just a... He's on the payroll. That's what I'm talking about. He's either got to be on the payroll or he's just terrible. Like the manner in which he tattled. Hi, nice to meet you. Chase and Nick is a pile of shit. Terrible. I'm going to now insult the thing he likes that, by the way, I know you do too. You're a fucking Instagram influencer. Terrible. Then he fucking comes back to the group and tells Chasen, hey, dude, I tattled on you. What? If you are going to tattle. Not only do you do it subtly to the lead, you never tell the target of the tattle that you've tattled on the target. You never do that. No, he's giving him time to prepare his rebuttal to Tasha. And of course, that's exactly what he does. He gets one on one time with her and he just fucking goes into damage control mode. He does fake outrage saying that he's insulted by the insinuation. He tells her that it was a pivot when she came in after Claire. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite lines. It was a pivot. <laughs> But he's now having, you know, wants to see where it goes and and seemingly he saves a little bit of face here. And then he comes back to the group and he gets in Ed's face. And Ed gives him this fucking funny line, take your medium shirt and sit down. And Chase and Nick's like, it's actually large, bro. Chase also says a funny line here. He says, you're interfering with my relationship and my spark. Jason says, I have pivoted. Tells him to stop jibber jabbering. Ed calls him a rocking chair. I did enjoy the the phrases in this fight. And we see here this now is a legitimate rivalry. We're going to be seeing this for as long as the producers want to play it out. And I definitely get the sense that Chase and Nick is not on the take. He is an unwitting target of the producers using Ed Wastebrot to infuriate him. I do believe Ed Wastebrot is doing this purely as an actor. I think the producers have cut a deal with him for real at this point, and he's just doing everything they say. Which is hilarious because he's calling Jason an actor. He says he's a Zac Efron movie, aka one of the classics. I, for a period of time, had uh, the DVD of 17 again stuck in my laptop, so it was the only movie that I could watch, and I've seen it a lot. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> You're talking about the fucking Tesseracts and shit all the time. I can't bring up a, a hobby of mine. Zach Efron. <laughs> Taisha comes in. She says, Ben, you were good. Ivan, you were good. I enjoyed your romantic gesture. And Ivan gets the group date, Rose. And this... Made me think maybe his chocolate-covered strawberries and semi-consensual kiss was going to be play of the game. Because that's a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. Getting a zero-point rose is always difficult, especially group date rose, because the odds are not in your favor. And he pulls it off here. Strong bit of play, and I believe he's playing a 4TRR game. 100%. I am on Team Ivan. Yeah, he's going to be a strong player. I believe he's going to go through the end of the season, whatever that is. I was going to say playoffs, but I don't even know what that looks like in this season. There's only six episodes left. If you had to guess who would be in the round of six right now, who would you guess? Brendan. Ben. Ben, yes. Ivan. Spencer. Easy. Easy. I'll go with that. Bennett? Yeah, I can see it. We'll see. We'll see. 
After the group date, all the guys come together again in the common room for a cocktail party before what will be Tasha's first rose ceremony. And we are now treated to this shitty idea that there's going to be a weird rose ceremony coming in kind of halfway through this episode and there will not be an up or down this season. We will never know where we're at in the structure of the game. It's just willy-nilly, whatever happens, happens. Chasen and Ed are going at each other again. Chasen reveals that he did use one adjective to describe both Tasha and Claire, and that adjective is smoke show. And throughout this episode, they play this clip of Chasen saying she's a smoke show over and over again. <laughs> but they try to play it to make it seem like he's saying it multiple times, but he's not. He said it once in an ITM, and they are just using that audio throughout the episode to make it seem like he's saying it constantly. To villainize him. Absolutely. Bennett does a very good bit of subtle play here. When Ed and Chasen are fucking screaming at each other right before the rose ceremony. (laughs) The Wolverine's close to coming out. (laughs) Bennett steps in and takes Ed's baby from him, who I think was named Carlos. And he says, let me take Carlos. I'll hang on to him while you and Chasen are fighting, basically. Brilliant. He knows the cameras are on that baby. He knows that this little bit of comedic action is going to at least get... A little bit of screen time for him, and it does. I just thought that that was a a nice flair, a nice little piece of seasoning on this meal. I would be remiss if I did not mention Tasha's dress that she's wearing during this cocktail party. It is my favorite thing she's worn this season. This like black, I don't know, velvet dress. It has gold straps and this like mm-hmm. slit going up her leg. It is smoke show. <laughs> mm, so you're on Team Chase and Nick. You're agreeing with everything he's saying. I love it. Well, you know, we're both grown-ass men. Going into the cocktail party, Ben gets some one-on-one time with her. Ben says he can't imagine what she's going through. Perfect way to open this up. I'm here for you. I know you're going through a traumatic experience. Don't you even worry about me. I'm a grown-ass man, essentially implying that. And Ben tells her he hasn't felt this way in a long time. This is a love level one raise. He's on the boards. He gets a kiss out of it. And this is a very fucking good exchange. He leaves it feeling like he's going to be safe at the rose ceremony. This exchange by Ben, he starts with a how you doing. He says, I can't imagine what you're going through, recognizing her stress level. He love level ones. He has a lead into a kiss line that's prepared here. The worst part is that I didn't get to kiss you all day long, so I'm looking forward to doing this. Leads into the kiss. Like, so good to have these, (laughs) these moves basically scripted out. Excellent. We see Dr. Joe get some one-on-one time, some screen time, and they talk about their ethnic heritages. Spencer gets a little one-on-one time. They eat some popsicles. Bennett gets a little one-on-one time. It seems like they had a huge date set up where he's got a cardboard Eiffel Tower, and he takes her to have a night out in a fake Paris, but they only give us about 10 seconds of it. We see Damar reading her a poem. He gets a kiss. Two kisses. Tasha ITMs. The night's going well, and we all know what that means. It ain't going to be going well for long, and we cut back to the group, and Ed is talking shit about Chasen, and we know that that (laughs) rivalry is about to fucking derail everything. Ed goes hard at this tattle. Tattles on him again, says that Chasen screamed at him. Tasha says this is a red flag. Tasha pulls Chasen from the group. Chasen is defending this double tattle. Ed tells the rest of the guys, I let her know. Hopefully he gets the fuck out of here. 
Puts two thumbs up. There's an opportunity here for Ed to do something, a little bit of experimental play that he just didn't do. Nobody has ever done this to my knowledge. And I think it's something that literally anyone can do. Ed knows Taisha doesn't give a fuck about him, that there's no chance for any kind of real relationship. There's not really even a chance to act like there's one. At this point, he's too far gone. And he's completely in the producer camp. What he could do instead is go to Taisha and say, hey, I know there's no chance here for us. I'm not even asking to make your top three. Keep me around a top four, top six maybe, and I'll make you this deal. I'll be your mole with the group of guys. I will listen to everything they say when you're not around, and I will report it all back to you accurately. Just keep me around as long as you can. That's the deal we'll make. We had an actual mole on season five, Jesse Palmer. He had a friend who was a beautiful blonde woman who was a mole through at least half of the season. And I think it's been long enough that we can bring it back. But I think a player can institute it themselves. I think you could. I think Ed could have done that here, but he doesn't. Instead, he rehashes his, his Chasen rivalry. Tasha then talks to Chasen about this. She finds it all very petty, says it's turning into something much bigger, and getting physical, she's concerned. Chasen then takes Ed out for a little talk. Chasen kind of apologizes to him, but Ed <laughs> refuses the apology. Yeah. At this point, he's got to be working for the producers. You're not telling yes. this guy... Fuck you and your apology unless the producers have told you, accept no apologies from him, keep poking the bear, which is what he does. Zach C comes over and tries to defuse the situation. By the way, Zach C does an excellent little mini move here. He runs into Tasha and Zach C kisses her right away. She says, you're so suave. She uses her signature questioning line, why are you still single at 36? He says, I hid behind the whole being single is great thing. I feel like all of these guys have been crafting different stories for saying I was a fuckboy. But it works. He gets another kiss, and it seems like he's turning into a little bit of a front runner. And then, of course, we cut to DLH, who materializes with glass in hand, and he brings knife to glass. One, two, three, four, five, six times. Six Tings. A sextuple ting. This is extremely rare, and you have to ask yourself why. Is this the play of the game? <laughs> I would say it's the most artistic play of the game. I believe the reason DLH did a sextuple ting here is because he has not had a true rose ceremony from Tasha yet. She has not sacrificed souls to him, and he knows they are on the verge of that. He is feeling happy. This Sextuple ting is a celebration (laughs) of the meal he is about to eat, the suffering of these men. Even though we know none of them and there's no true suffering, it's all he can get. I could see him doing double ting time to make up for it being the first and second rose ceremonies combined. Mm, I like this theory as well. Yeah. So then Taisha has her first rose ceremony. Zach C gets first flower. The last two flowers are Ed and Chasen. Both members of the rivalry kept. And Ed does this iconic line that Jason is already lining up his club appearance, getting 6,000 followers tonight. I don't know why the producers always do this. I guess I know. I guess I know. I'm just still astounded that it works on people. They build up these dramas and then they try to make it like, oh shit, who's going to get the rose? And they always leave whoever's in question. Clues 
It is springtime. It is the off season. It mm. is gore girl summer. The weather's getting warmer. Thank true. Dark Lord Palmer. And it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and cowls and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul, get those staple pieces, and I found quince. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces keeping me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I got the cotton modal scoop neck tee. It is so cute. It is literally the first thing I reach for in my dresser when all my clothes are washed. You know those special items. If you are not like clues who only wears one outfit. I'm Quince head to toe at this point. I'm a Quince boy. <gasps> I'm a source boy, Quince boy. Let's you got no go. idea. I'm wearing Quince t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince long sleeve t-shirts, Quince pants, Quince sweaters, Quince pants. I'm Quinced. <laughs> Just call me Quinced. King Quinces. Okay. They call me. I love Quince. Okay, Quince. Uh, get warm weather ready with Quince. Be a Quince king yourself or Quince queen. Go to quince.com slash roses for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash roses. Game of Roses is sponsored by BetterHelp. Clues. Uh, we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And if you keep them all bottled up, it can affect you negatively. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. You might be taking care of your physical body, but are you taking care of that beautiful mind, Clues? Yes. I have benefited from therapy greatly in the past. Uh, it has helped me get through stressful experiences manage boundaries, learn coping skills, you know, the. The whole premise of life is is kind of a, a, it's a lot to undertake, and therapy can help with that. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire, then you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. Clues, mm -hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring. I'm ready to get out there. I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in onyx. That's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing no nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know 
we sent you. After you place your order, select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Again, that's Skims. For the last one or two roses, there is absolutely no way they're just going to let either one of these guys walk away and have that rivalry unfulfilled. Tasha's like, I got to go with my gut. And I'm like, she trusts her gut that she should keep both of them? No, the producers she told her to. didn't even have a gut reaction. <laughs> these choices are all made by the producers. Tasha gets to select the top three or so players, and then the producers just line up the rest of them how they want them, in what order they want them, so that they can use them for other shit later. Ed's role this episode, it's either producer plant or it's like a Hail Mary rivalry slash villain play that he's doing. Because Tasha definitely doesn't see him as uh, her potential husband at this point. And the three guys who get kicked off, we don't even see a word out of them. They are literally no. unimportant to the entirety of this television program. Ultimately, most of these guys are. The season, again, is just, it's like nothing. I, I don't know what I'm watching. <laughs> we come in on the next portion with heads off screen grunting. I hated this moment. <laughs> he's lifting weights on the field, but we don't even see what he's doing at first. It's just kind of like this horrible noise. So you don't know where it's coming from. This is the producers building that rivalry again. We see Ed getting pumped up. We see Chasen walking around the pool getting pumped up. These two guys are going to fight. All of the guys come to the common room, and now we finally get DLH materializing with a group date card. This is how it's supposed to go. This is how it always goes. <laughs> you feel comforted and safe? Well, I feel like we're watching the game again. All I want is the game. Show me the fucking game. You've invented this game, producers. Mike Flies. You've invented the perfect game, producers. All you have to do is show <laughs> us the fucking game. Don't cut it in half. Don't do weird shit with it. Just show us the fucking game. It's like watching a game of football, and then they're like, I for agree. this game, we're actually not going to have referees or any kind of line judges. And you're like, what? Then how is it going to work? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> But here, they give us our referee. DLH is back in the house. He leaves this group date card. The phrase on it is, I'm looking for my perfect match. It's easy. Brendan, Joe, Jordan, Spencer, Ben, Ed, and Chasen. And already, the guys suspect this is a wrestling match. They do know the game. They may be playing it badly, but they do know the game. They know what the producers are about to do here. Yeah, they're like, what is the worst possible meaning of the word match? It's going to be that one. Bennett says, loads, I can see someone not coming home from this group date. <laughs> He's talking about a murder. <laughs> they come in to, you know, <laughs> looking to ballroom again, where they just keep removing and changing the set dressing. And Taisha is having a wrestling match with a woman on the floor. Can we just talk about the set dressing for a minute? We've seen things like this, these forced violence group dates. We, in fact, saw one. On Ari's season, where the women had to go into a wrestling ring and do a pro wrestling performance in this theater. It was a literal wrestling ring, up off the ground, the fucking ropes, the whole they all mine. had costumes and roles. There was an audience. This is a half-inch thick foam mat laying on the ground with some pieces of chain-link fence that they bought at fucking Home Depot set up around it. <laughs> It's like they're not even trying. We have two female fighters here. The current undefeated UFC fighter, 
was my Jorge 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 Moreno bystander of the week. Tatiana Suarez, congratulations. You bystanded with the best of them. Tatiana Suarez was also my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. She lends something to this that is a little elevated. The other woman says she was an old pro wrestler. I don't know who who she was. I'm not a big pro wrestling fan. But UFC is a real fighter. So there is now this element in these guys' minds that they're going to be actually fighting each other. This is not a play fight. Tatiana Suarez beats the shit out of people for a living. So I think we're going to have to do that too. That is at least in there because of her involvement in this Absolutely. Date. They're like, we're going to have to do UFC. That's what this must be. Is this UFC, by the way? I don't know what this is. <laughs> no, it is not UFC. They're just wrestling. Wrestling? Okay. But the way they lay this date out, of course, they oil the guys up and Tasha gets to spread oil on them with a paintbrush and says, this is every woman's dream. Pace case? Not my dream. As I told you, my dreams are about being locked in a house with my family and Nick Vial and I'm we're chasing the monster. Wrong. This is every woman's dream. <laughs> I heard Tasha say it. Wrong. She said this is every girl's dream. I'm not a girl. I'm a grown-ass man. The best thing a person can be. In addition <laughs> to getting oiled up, the guys then have to do two things before they begin their wrestling match. One is perform some wrestling moves, go through a little practice. Then the other one is bump chess and shit talk each other an inch away from each other's faces this is designed by the producers to work (laughs) these motherfuckers into a frenzy to get them as mad as possible ready to fucking kill and that's then what we see dlh emerges instead of a knife and glass he now has a bell that they use in fights ding 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 he loves hitting that thing this is like an augmented version of the tings And he tells the guys they're going to be wrestling in front of a live audience, and it's a play for time. The live audience, it turns out, is just the other guys. It's not really a live audience. I found myself thinking, like, are they bringing people in to watch this? What the fuck are they talking about? Live audience. And indeed, it's not. They've quarantined all the night one girls from last season. Wells is inexplicably there to co-host this event with DLH. (laughs) He's sitting at a judge's table. We see him. Inexplicably? He's a radio host. This is his job. Oh, my apologies. He really did lend to it. He made it much more entertaining. Joe Park does a little fun, colorful narrator here about being weak, saying he was all conference and volleyball in high school. And he does a cute little thing when they are doing the man-to-man intimidation <laughs> portion of this date where he says, oh, you got nice eyes. <laughs> Gotta say I'm on the Joe train. Yeah, I'm curious to see what his Instagram is going to do after this episode, because he was featured a lot more in it and did have some nice moments, as you're saying. So the first wrestling match occurs. It's Easy versus Joe. Easy wins. And it is a little rough. We're getting the idea that this could be more violent than anticipated. By the way, Chasen does an ITM here. He says, you're not waking up tomorrow. You're going to wake up in an ice bath. You'll be icing your entire body. Your mom is going to pick you up tomorrow. Just a normal ITM thing to say. That was probably producer coached, but it could just be his 
bravado. It's the Wolverine coming out. <laughs> the next match is Brendan and Jordan. <laughs> Jordan actually does a very nice judo throw on Brendan. Spencer and Ben, the most violent fight so far. They get a draw. Ben walks away bleeding. A little bit of an IFI. Medics do come over. And then we see Ed in the shadows talking to DLH. He has summoned the Dark Lord to let him know that both of his shoulders have been dislocated and he doesn't want to end up in the hospital because if he has to leave the bubble, he's out of the whole show, so he's not going to wrestle. He's stepping out. This is an IFI. He says he's worried about COVID. Ed demanding to talk to DLH to do this IFI was my only thing that I liked that he did this episode. I thought it was a strong play. You're like making much more of your moment by talking to the representation of the show. To me, it was almost proof positive that he's on the take from the fucking producers. When he has an issue like this, he's not going to taste you to be like, hey, my shoulders are fucked up. I don't want to risk having to be taking an ambulance out of here because I'm off the show if that happens. I can't come back because of the bubble. So he goes to the producers, to DLH. That's his first stop. His bestie. I'm saying he's already been talking to fucking producers. Maybe even to DLH. Maybe DLH has come in. Maybe DLH is the one who has to offer him the paradise deal, you know? Or it's not official. DLH is spending his time with Ed? I don't think so. DLH is in that red room where he interviewed Dale and Claire. And he just has a, a sheet of paper with signatures on it in blood to get onto paradise. Ed has signed it. So Ed forfeits here. And Chasen is not allowed the blood he was promised in the ring. But DLH asks, does anyone else want to step into his spot? The devil offers a deal. Who will take it? Noah doesn't fucking hesitate. He jumps in the goddamn ring. He climbs the chain link fence that they bought at Home Depot, flips over it, and he's in the ring. Here I am. I will do this fight. Do you think... They were hoping that someone would climb this fence when they put it in. Absolutely not. They had no idea. This move was bold. This move was almost my play of the game. It was so close. Well, this move was my... Play, 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 play of the game. God, I really thought we were going to agree. Ed has just bowed out. The whole theme of this episode is a grown-ass man. Tasha wants someone to fight for her. She keeps emphasizing in her little, like, who gets the group date rose speeches, how she wants someone to make romantic gestures for her. Is there a ro- more romantic gesture than jumping a fucking fence in this franchise? <laughs> You might remember Colton Underwood jumped the fence for Cassie in his season of The Bachelor. And this was an iconic moment. They showed it again and again. It definitely takes on a new uh, aura in the post-restraining order phase. But this move was fucking iconic. He has jeans on and he ends up wrestling in jeans he combs his mustache which is like you know they none of them have roles but he's sort of creating his own wrestler role here like they did in the Ari group date this move 
prompts a run through this group date, which I can't remember ever seeing in the history of the game. And none of it happens without him jumping over this fence right here. Look, I completely agree with you. This play was stellar. It initiated what we will come to understand is an endlessly chaotic play style. A never-ending bag of tricks. This guy is capable of fucking anything at any moment. And you never know which way it's going to go. When he flipped that fence, I was like, how's this going to fucking end? Is this going to be seen as he's bold and making a play? Or is it going to be seen as this guy's a lunatic? And it turns out it went in his favor. But all of his plays teeter on this weird edge of like, what is this guy? Is he a fucking maniac? Or is he a really good player? And that weird fucking line it's a very hard one to ride especially for a long time but he does it for this whole episode it's and it hard does to do it here. for a long time but i am so interested in watching it he doesn't even win this wrestling match but taisha says honestly noah you jumped the fence for me so i'd really like you to join us tonight this is after dlh has just awarded chase in the championship he thinks he's the king of this group date Tasha makes it as if it's her idea. Oh, let's have another person join. Crashing a group date and letting them join? I mean, we've just seen this season how that can fail with Blake Moynes crashing the group date with Claire. Um, but doing it successfully and getting on the date? And then what he's going to do with that date? I can't even... But he also did it in a very smart way. When Blake crashed the date, he was not playing to the second audience. It was actually counterplay to the second audience. They all got pissed at him. Here, because this man threw himself into the ring, no one can talk shit. He stood up. He was game. He put his own life on the line to go against this giant Chase and Nick who had been fucking worked into a rage. He put his (laughs) blood, sweat, and tears on the mat. And for that, these guys will respect him. They might think he's goofy. They might think he's shitty in some way, but they can't disparage how he got there because he did more than Ed Wastebrot, who was also sitting there. Jason then brings his wrestling belt to the group date after party, just like Bennett did in the first group date this episode. Everyone is bringing their trophies to the after parties. I love it. And Tasha comes in, and here we see it again. The chaotic whirlwind of Noah. He's the first responder. He takes her away immediately. The other guys get pissed at him and shit talk his immaturity. But it doesn't matter because he's sitting with Taisha. And he gets his first kiss with Taisha. She says his move was bold in the ring. He says he goes for what he wants. And if it works, that's great. And she says, well, this seems to be working out pretty well for you. They go in, first kiss, and she pulls back a little and says, you have to shave the mustache. He (laughs) agrees to shave it off. And he leaves. She says, there's no rules. Let's get that done. The only rule here is you have to shave your mustache. <laughs> I talked about this in the beginning. The first time we saw him, I said, that's going to be a Deanie Babies play. He's going to shave that fucking mustache at some point, and it's going to be a play, and it's going to work for him. You called it. And we see this happen. He gets another last mustache kiss with her. I thought that was a little mini move. That was great. Thanks for letting me crash your party. It's been a treat. And then Brendan gets a little one-on-one time. He talks to her about breaking up. And her prior dating experiences, she was looking to fill a void. It's hard. It's just kind of a general rapport building conversation about past loves, loss. He says he enjoys being with her. This is a raise to love level one. He's on the board. Kiss, kiss. He's getting his numbers up. The other guys start to wonder, where's Noah? Ben then says, 
He's waiting for his time to talk to her, but he's not worried. His plan here is to be the last <laughs> guy to talk to her. This is a terrible strategy. Literally the worst one. You should never fucking ever think I'm going to be the last person to talk to her because you might not get to talk to her. And we see what happens a little later. We will get to that. But this is where he outlines this idea he has to be the final person she talks to. How do you even come up with that idea? It is the worst idea I've ever heard of. Ben's clearly seen the show, so I don't get how he, how that translated into doing this. You can never predict when you're going to be the last person. You should always try to get in as early as possible. You never know what's going to happen. There could be a, a night one curveball. There could be a night whatever curveball. And a fight that blows up, something that gets Tasha so emotional that she cuts the night short. We see Ed tell Tasha that Tasha time is the currency. Spencer gets a kiss here. And then Jordan is talking to Tasha. Noah emerges from the shadows of La Quinta to perform a steal. Hey, can I talk to you for a second? Jordan says, I'd rather not. I was still talking to her, but I'll let her decide. And Tasha grants the steal. She kicks Jordan to the curb. Noah moves in. And guess what? He brought a little something with him. He has an electric fucking razor. And he gives it to Tasha. And she shaves off his fucking mustache. This was my... Play, 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 play of the game. What he set up in the ring, he's now paying off at the after party with this fucking Deanie Babies. Look at me now. I'm a beautiful young man with no mustache play. <laughs> <laughs> It was outstanding that not only did he shave it off, he let her do the fucking honors. Because if he does this back in his hotel room, that footage may be thrown on the cutting room floor. Instead, he gets her to fucking do it. So it's this interactive moment where she gets to do the thing she asked him to do. She sees that he's game for whatever. And then we get the reveal that there he looks good without a mustache. And he gets, of course, a kiss because now he doesn't have a mustache. You haven't kissed me without a mustache. He already has this kiss line prepared. It was just brilliant to me. I have to imagine he grew the mustache specifically for this purpose, specifically to come on the show with it and at some point shave it. And I think she probably forced him to do it a little sooner than he wanted to because she was like, I don't fucking like mustaches. You're going to have to shave that shit off. And he was like, fine. But I think he planned to shave it all along. Do you think he had a mustache when he was cast or did he grow it after he was cast? Grew it after. Amazing. I think this was a true play. I think this move was amazing, but you don't get it without the fence jump. The fence jump allowed him to go on a different group date and end up getting the fucking group date rose. They're both fantastic plays. It's like they're right in line with each other. They're kind of part of the same night of play even. But to me, I just, I like this one a little more because it was so fucking premeditated. I really believe he set this up before mm. the season and was like, I'm going to come into this show with a fucking mustache and I'm going to shave it off, and that's going to get me something. Screen time during an episode, maybe it gets me a rose. I think that this was like a long game play for him. That's slightly more impressive to me. See, I prefer 
the on the fly instinctive hopping of the fence. For me, that's more impressive because he just got has innate skill. It's not something he prepared. I think it's clear that he prepared to do this at some point. He has the the tool to do it. I don't think either one of us is wrong here. I think it's a subjective call. These were the two top plays of the game for sure. Yeah. Bar none. He did them both. He also is like, I hope she doesn't send me away baby faced, which I think that making her do it to him gets him to stay further with this move because she has done this to him. She owes him. Yes, 100%. You wanted to shave my mustache off. You cut it off. Now you're going to be like, oh, bye. No way. By the way, she says, you look really good. You're like kind of hot. Like the moment fucking works. He is hot. This does reveal that. And then after this beautiful facial hygiene play by Noah, Tasha comes back to the group and Ben asks her if he can get some time to talk to her before she gives out the rose. And she tells him, sorry, Ben, the night's over. I'm actually disappointed you didn't come find me to talk to me. This was my error, 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 error of the game. This is the definition of turtling where you don't get time because you're too timid to talk to the person. Or in this case, he had some master plan to wait to talk to her. It's just unbelievably bad play. And this is kind of what I'm talking about. He's even potentially one of the front runners at this point. We're talking about that as a possibility. And his play is this bad that he makes a, an error that just should never be made. Look, I still think he's going to be a front runner, but this was also my... Error, 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 error of the game. He has planned out every moment of this. He's doing all the right moves in his one-on-one time. This was a miscalculation, I believe. No shit. <laughs> he had romanticized. You know what? He's stuck in isolation. He thinks, oh, this will be a great idea. It, the fur, It's further errored by the fact that He's like, oh, hey, before you give out the rose, can you come talk to me? It's, it comes off so desperate. And also, 4TWR, she's like, you should have made an effort. She's all about effort. She keeps saying that. This motherfucker literally watched Noah throw his body over a fence to fight some dude twice his size, and she allows him to come to the after party because of it. She rewards a guy for that behavior. You know what she wants. It isn't a guy who's going to sit back and wait to talk to her. It was just so bad, this play. Of all the errors that have happened kind of in the modern history of the game, sometimes they happen inadvertently. Sometimes it's like, ah, I could see what they were trying to do. They just didn't pull it off. This shit was just, there's no excuse for this. Literally none. It was one of the worst errors I've ever seen. And Noah gets the group date, Rose. Whether it's for your play of the game or my play of the game, or for the combination, Noah was the winner of this group date. Hands down. Chase and Nick picks up his belt at the end of this group date, walks off with it on his shoulder like he's won something, and it's like, no, dude, you ain't won shit. Noah fucking took you out, dude. And that's why Noah was my... M M M M M V P. As I said earlier, the man is a chaotic whirlwind. 
you don't know what the fuck is coming with this guy, <laughs> but it's going to be entertaining and it's going to be dynamic. And for those two reasons, I think he's going to be rewarded by the producers. I think we're going to see him for at least another couple episodes, and I think they're going to put him in positions to do some crazy stuff. I'm looking very, very forward to it. We really didn't get to see much of his play prior to this. We saw his limo exit where he did an It Takes Two with a stethoscope where he made her listen to his heart. And we saw him kind of meandering around the house here and there, but he forced himself into a group date that he was not a player in. He won a group date rose. He shaved a mustache. I found Noah's play to be so far the most entertaining of the season. Noah was also my M M M M V P. He's paid off his preseason work of growing this intentional mustache. He came in with this play in mind and he played it at perfectly the right time to get this extremely high difficulty level of rose. Tasha knows that's going to piss off a bunch of the other guys. And when you can get a lead to do something that's going to do that, you've made a strong move. Uh, such as Nick Vial coming on and having sex with Caitlin Bristow before Fantasy Suites. The lead ends up sacrificing partially their relationships with the other players. I also love his tornado play style. It's hilarious. Like, what is he going to do? He's very good at getting kisses. Yeah, he's an exciting rookie to watch. We're definitely going to be keeping an eye out for him as the season progresses. But that did it for this episode. Another week down. And as I said, I believe we are going to have six more episodes, two of which are going to be after the final rose and men tell all so that means four more episodes of standard play if my math is correct the season is winding down i don't know how anyone else is feeling but i'm just feeling unsatisfied because this isn't the game we are not getting that progression if claire did it or the producers did it well, whoever did it i don't know who's to blame for this but the derailing of the season <laughs> middle whoever did it clues is mad <laughs> no no i'm not mad it's just like it's not a real season to me. This was a big yeah. asterisk. And I think it does a disservice to Tasha because I just don't feel that any of her connections are genuine. I don't feel that she's getting a fair shake at this. No. Because it's so condensed. She really does feel like a second choice. That whole thing that she said in the beginning that she was afraid guys would see her as the second choice. I see her as that. I am curious if they have Claire at the mental all. And whether it'll create this weird vibe where the guys basically have to say which one they were more into. But that wraps up this week. Thank you, everyone, for joining us this episode. Please be sure to join us this Friday. We will have another episode of This Week in Bachelor Nation, complete with State of the World, Bachelor Nation News, Parasocial Plays of the Week. We may even be delving into an alternate Bachelor universe to take a look at some events if they would have unfolded in a different way than they did in our universe. <laughs> and of course, we're going to have Shoya back with us from Relationship Hero to join us in the pit and hear our screams. Um, we released a Patreon episode this week, a Gore All-Stars JoJo Fletcher's rookie season. So check that out. www.patreon.com. 
T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Game of Roses. And as always, thank you for your tids. We love the tids in the bottom of the pit. And there are so many good tids floating around right now. There's all this shit coming from Dumois, that blind item Instagram account, which I am now discounting all of. I feel that all of it is lies mm. at this point, but I will still Taking read Taking the position. And before we go, what is the dwab at? It has been 6,813 days without a black bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe, unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. 
She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.